0: You're listening to the Sewing and Growing Podcast and radio show with JJ.
1: Hey everybody, we are back once again, and we have a guest with us. Y'all asked for it. We listened. And Wayne's World Part 2 is officially live. I don't know what to call it. Wayne's Universe? Like, how do we how do we top Wayne's World? <laughs> He's <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wayne's Galaxy Wayne's Multiverse well um, we're excited to have you back on sir you were a wealth of knowledge and wisdom last time you talked about the cowboy way you talked about giving and the tithe and you're welcome to expound on any of that but we would love to hear your wisdom concerning marriage because Um, I'm not going to guess. You told us last time, and I can't remember. How long have you been married? I've been married 40 years this year. Wow. 40 years. Longer than I've been alive.
0: I wanted to say that's almost twice as long as I've been alive, but I'm older than I thought I was. That's (laughs) not a true statement anymore. (laughs) Well, well, I'll just be honest. I have a little added emphasis on why I wanted to hear from you because I've only been married less than six months. So I thought if I can get off to a good start, this would be great. Uh, There's a saying, I don't know if it's a cowboy saying, but you can't teach an old dog new tricks, which you can, but I want, I'm a young dog in this uh, (laughs) marriage journey. So I want to learn the tricks of the trade The tools of the trade and really God's way of doing marriage. And I look to you as somebody who really has some wisdom, proven wisdom that they've operated in their life concerning marriage. And I think we can have a great conversation. And I second what Pastor Jonathan had to say. Uh, I had somebody go, I really enjoyed the podcast with Wayne Pollard. And then I heard from you. People have been asking you when you were going to be on the podcast again. So it's time to go. And here we are. Here we
1: are. So. Um, maybe introdu- introductory question, or you, you might have an opening statement. I'm not even sure. Is there anything you want to let the listener know before we jump right into this? Well, I guess the, to start
2: out when it comes to marriage, okay, it's important that you realize that there is no easy marriage. You have to work hard at every
0: That's marriage. not what I wanted to hear. Do you, did you ever <laughs> see those staples commercials where they had the easy button Mr. Pollard, yes. yeah. you, so yeah. you, what you're telling me is there's no easy button
2: for marriage. There's absolutely no easy button. Or if you button.
0: press it, it just won't work. It won't yeah. make any noise. It might annoy
2: your spouse by how much you're <laughs> pressing it. <laughs> yeah, it, it might work at times. Okay. But not all the time.
0: But that sounds like a discouraging statement, but really that is encouraging because when you go through rough waters and difficult times,
2: you know that that's true for everyone. Right. Right. Because I think what happens with a lot of marriages is they start out real happy and blissful and mm-hmm. and everything's real energetic and what have you, and then life happens. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting into a situation to where you go, well, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people go into marriages with unrealistic expectations. And so with that being said, I've learned over the over the forty years that there's three main things that you need to remember, okay first one is happy wife, happy life. <laughs> the second one is is that I might be the ad <clears throat> I might be the captain of my ship, but she's the admiral of the fleet Ooh. and then the third one is is make sure that you always get the last word in, yes, dear. <laughs>
1: the secret to a happy marriage is really, uh, making sure your wife is well taken care of. That's right. And that her, her needs are met and her voice is heard. Right. That's right. Especially. Yeah. Um, if you're going to have the last word, it better be. Yes, dear.
2: Yes. It better be. last.
1: And with,
0: with that on that third point, I heard the same question was asked of Billy Graham. And that was Billy Graham's answer to how he had been married for so long. (laughs) long Is that right? He always has the last word. Yes, dear.
1: Yeah. Well, Could we maybe build a little backstory here? And maybe you could tell us how you met your lovely wife.
2: Now we got to go back to the cowboy way. (laughs) (laughs) The cowboy way. Teresa and I actually started, uh, what was it? In 70, no, 80. Okay. Started dating in 1980. And at the time I was doing a lot of, uh, Buying and selling cattle. That's uh, and was doing a lot of managing cattle, and and Teresa had come down from a steamboat and was working at the sale barn that was there rifle The sale barn was located right there where New Life Church is now. That was the old sale barn, and she worked in the office. And of course, I worked out, uh, you know, in the office, out in the field, and out, you know, and what have you, and. Uh, she found out that i was a believer and she realized that she wanted to she'd made up her mind that she wanted to marry a believer so one thing led to another and and uh, i uh, at the time was doing a lot of riding and also you know and so i our first date was a work date we went looking for cows and and uh and went horseback and mm-hmm. and what have you and then as we um progressed then we wound up getting married about six months later and that's quick
0: that is a quick well dating and engagement how long know, if that was engagement
1: uh,
2: oh
0: i
1: don't
2: know what was it two weeks oh no 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 <laughs> hey no. but
1: if it's right it's right my parents met and then six months later we're married you're come in, come in come come good company
2: well oh, see see that ride and it, it you get a chance to really to get to know one another without yeah. having to do all the touching. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. That's a godly principle. Yeah, say that. You yeah, don't, you that
1: don't as... have to know someone by touching them too early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul said it's not good for
0: a man to touch a
1: woman. <laughs> so, hey, that's the
0: cowboy way. We didn't okay. know Apostle Paul was following the cowboy way,
1: all but right. he was. So, six months later, you got We got, married. got married. And then... Um, <laughs>
2: I, I hadn't learned my three principles yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, we had, uh, one of the people I did a lot of work with said they'd pay for our honeymoon, but we had to take some horses to Idaho to get it paid for. Okay. So it was going to be like a week or so after our wedding before we went, and I made the mistake of deciding I was going to go fishing with one of my buddies and not asking her. Of course, needless to say, it's a good thing we were still in a lot of marital bliss because <laughs> it might have went <laughs> down the tubes real quick. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, that's how we met. Awesome. And as far as, uh, we've had some really good times. And I, and I guess, you know, in the Bible, it, it talks about how, um, uh, a marriage is to help raise godly children. Mm-hmm. And I've been very blessed that, uh, I've got three wonderful children and, uh, I know that they all three try real hard to follow the Lord. That doesn't mean we don't have our mistakes and our faults and and what have you. But uh, you train up a child in the way they should go, and they'll they'll come back, you know. So with that being said, I guess that's how we met. Awesome. But it, you know what's really interesting about this whole story is when I was a senior in high school, they I was the student body. President. And um, they had a, what they called a tri league meeting up in Steamboat. And Teresa's brother, I think it was, had volunteered their home to sponsor one of the meetings. Me- no, no, one uh, of the, um, the people who are contesting the, or the, the one of the people that were there, participants. Words, uh, so I went there to, to spend the night while. Uh, we was at this tri-league meeting for, I I think it was like three days, two nights. And so I guess I really met my wife for the first (laughs) time when she was 10 years old there in Steamboat, Colorado. And then what was kind of ironic, you know, I would kind of um, uh, go to the basketball games and stuff there at Rifle at the time, and she was a cheerleader, and I kept noticing this cheerleader from Steamboat. And so it's kind of one of those... Things that God kind of had a plan for Trace and I for a long time sounds to me like. Wow. She was on your radar before. Well, on God's radar
1: anyway. Hey, Hey, there it is.
0: So I wanted to ask a question based off of what you said in the beginning about no easy button and unrealistic expectations. Um, You know, I was really surprised when I got engaged to my girlfriend, the amount of people that told me I was making the worst decision of my life, not in the church, but I'd go around and I'd be at breakfast with a bunch of old guys and they're like, oh, why would you ever do that? Why would you get married? Oh no. Uh, And then one guy, uh, somebody I knew, actually, the funny thing was I was on the trip in Texas, to ask my wife, Marissa, to marry me. And I was helping her mom get a vehicle that she had purchased. She had purchased this vehicle from Ohio and a driver had driven the vehicle from Ohio to Texas. And we needed to drive him back to a location. So, he could... And he was asking what I was you know. doing there. I said, well, you know, this is my future mother-in-law. I'm going to get married to her daughter. And he goes, oh my God. He goes, <laughs> I made two mistakes in my life and both of them were getting married. But don't worry, I make my mistakes right. I got divorces both times (laughs) when I'm in the car with my future mother-in-law. So they don't have high expectations. They have very low expectations. They actually expect it to be really bad. And something in the world that I've heard from people is if you expect nothing, you're going to not be disappointed at all. But on the other hand, sometimes we have the Disney stories where it's happily ever after and they ride off into a sunset. If there are unrealistic expectations that hurt us, what is a realistic expectation that we should have in marriage? Because God has expectations in marriage. What should those be? Neither one of you are perfect. That's for sure on my side. You you take, uh,
2: if you're going to get married and expect to change the person that you married, that's your fault, not theirs. Because uh, you fell in love with somebody because of the, the way they were. And to try to say that you're going to go ahead and get married and then I'll change them, that is a huge mistake. You you should remember who it was that you fell in love with, remember why you fell in love with them, and then work on trying to keep that kindled. Mm. That reminds me, I don't know if
0: it's exactly applicable, but to what Jesus spoke to the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation, he said, you've forgotten your first love. I know that's speaking of Jesus. uh, But he said, remember, return, and repent. So you Mm -hmm. need to remember the first love you had, return to that and repent, change your mind. Because I agree, we, we fall in love with somebody and we think they're amazing and we can overlook so much. But then sometimes it seems like when you're more committed to somebody, those things that didn't seem like a big deal can become a big deal real quick. But if we remember the first love that we had for that person and repent, change our thinking and change our ways about it, and we can return to what the love that we had before that
2: and in something that in our, in our marriage, because believe me, we've had our tough times. So we're not, this is definitely was not a perfect marriage by any means, but divorce was never an option for us. And so if divorce is never an option, you continually keep working to try to make things better in your marriage, not necessarily change the person, but change the relationship for the better, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. But divorce has never been an option. Did you and
1: Teresa have any of those tough conversations before you got married? A lot of times we see people getting married and then they then they have the tough conversations about religion and money and where you're going to live and family. And a lot of them t- those tough issues. Um, aren't really addressed because people are kind of just head over heels in love it's, it's a lot of emotions driving their decision. And then they, they get married and then they hit some, some rough patches because they haven't discussed some of this stuff beforehand. Did you ever do that? Or did you, you jump in and address the problems as they came?
2: Well, first of all, we were pretty fortunate in the fact that uh, we knew pretty much what we wanted, and it was pretty much the same. So in in our getting to know one another, we realized that where we wanted to live, we knew where we wanted to, um, you know, do things and, and what have you, and, and what we were going to do as far as our uh, faith and, and what have you. So we didn't have any of those, what you could call, real hard discussions. But one of the things, though, that when you're really in love, you in the beginning especially, you never think you're going to have those right. issues. You just don't. You just don't ex- expect them until they happen. And so as we have went through our life and through our marriage, we've had to learn to address some things that were uh, painful, you know. And uh, money was always one for us. And uh, because we went through some really tough financial times. You take when we uh, first got married, interest rates for mortgages, if you had a really good Credit score was still 18.5%. And 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 you take a a lot of young people, that's one of the reasons why I really like to teach finance classes, is someday the young people today are going to realize things aren't always going to be rosy when it comes to finances. And if they haven't learned how to get through the tough times financially, there's a really good chance they won't get through the tough times with their marriage Mm -hmm. because um, you know, the number one uh, need of a man is honor and then sex. Mm -hmm. But the number one need for a woman is security. Okay. And if you can't show that woman that you're there and she can see a sense of security, you're in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. You're in a lot of trouble. So that's why finances are so, so hard, and and you take uh, men. Finances aren't a big deal to them because they're conquerors, and they just no big deal. I'll get another job, or no big deal. I'll just work more hours. You know, but then the thing of it is, you don't realize that working those more hours, you're taking away from your relationship. Right. So you have to learn to balance your life. But you also have to be careful that to realize that there could be a tough time ahead. So I'm going to go back
0: a little bit because I'm writing down notes. I'm already at a half a page of notes off of what you're sharing. Thank you, Mr. Pollard. But with the unrealistic expectations and what I shared even with what I heard from some elder people, but... We talk a lot about statistics, about how the church's divorce rates are very similar to the world's divorce rates, but there's a statistic that very few people of my generation are actually getting married. They're not even wanting to take that step. That statistic is lower than it ever has been either, which even when I asked about the unrealistic expectations, we've talked about how uh, don't expect to change them. Uh, If you don't get out, stick with it, which I'm like, whoa. Those are You maybe wouldn't necessarily look at as great expectations to have sales. Someone might say, why would I get married? And I'm just going to be real as a guy. And if you're going to live godly, a good expectation you can have, which you mentioned, the number two need for a guy is to have sex. But other than that, what can somebody expect? Because really, for this generation, fewer people are getting married and fewer people are having kids which means they're not thinking of any godly goodness coming out of the marriage institution or out of having a family. But the Bible speaks differently of both of those. So I appreciate where you started off saying, hey, let's take those rose-colored glasses off. Stop reading the Disney novels that end with Happily Ever After. You're going to have to push through some things to get to some better days. But can you maybe paint after the difficulty, after the perseverance, what realistically can those better days with your wife or your husband and your children, what do those look like?
2: Well, let's backtrack just a little bit on some of the things that you've said. <clears throat> I, I believe that the main reason that a lot of young people are not wanting to get married is because mo- a large percentage of them come from divorced families. Mm, that's true. And with that being said, it's a statistic that... Those children from divorced marriages have a very—it's uh, a real painful time for them. Yeah. I mean, after all, they're—they've lost a uh, uh, structure, mm-hmm. the family structure, to where the mother and the father are supposed to be in the home with their responsibilities to raise the children. But now the kids go to the spouse to the mother for a while and to the dad for a while. And the mother plays the kids against the dad and the dad plays the kids against the mother and some of those kinds of things. And kids are not stupid. They, they know what's going on and they're thinking, I don't want to do my children the way my parents yeah. did me. Yeah. Real talk. And, and so they're they're That's what a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, If a person has Christ in their life and fully understands the trust and the faith and the love that Christ is there to basically represents, then a person stands a chance to make something happen with the marriage. But if a if a marriage doesn't have Christ in there, then it's basically doomed to begin with because Satan is there to kill, steal, and destroy that relationship. You know another statistics though that is kind of interesting, it, because for the longest time, the divorce rate with Christians has been almost the same as as the world. However, if a if a husband and a wife have a study time together, it reduces it from like is fifty percent now, clear down to five percent.
0: Wow! <laughs> just, Come on, just, a biblical uh, study time or a marriage
2: study time? A, a biblical study wow. time where they're studying the Bible. Where did you hear that? Oh, I learned that a long time ago. Okay, I learned that one a long time Join ago. Join a small group, folks.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That's a question I was going to ask you if you had that type of study time or even prayer time with your wife. Yes. That's yes, awesome.
2: we uh, we've got to where. We uh, read uh, Rick Renner's Sparkling Gems, yeah, every morning. And I, uh, I get up and I have a, you know, I don't study the Word like some people would, and I'm sometimes I regret that, but then other times, I guess I would be one of those that I never cease praying. I never cease praying. I'm talking to God continually, either thanking Him or, or but I'll thank him for the I'll thank him for the sunshine. I'll thank him for the snow. I'll thank him for it, uh, the the new babies that I get when I'm calving. Yeah. I'll I I thank him for my wife. You know, it's it's one of those situations where I I never stop praying to God because praying is a but I've learned that that I, God's going to take care of me. God wants nothing but good for me. And he knows what that is. So for me to be continually asking, him, please, God, do this. Please, God, do that. I need to be thankful for what I've got. And then a lot of the things that I'd like to have happen just happen. Yeah. Because he knows my heart's right. But but we have done a lot. Sometimes we just read, you know, over the years, sometimes we just read a full chapter in the Bible. We'd start in, in Matthew or Ephesians or Colossians and just start at chapter one and just Go through it as far as read a chapter a day.
0: I think a big part of it is maybe not what you're doing, but are you doing it and are you doing it together consistently?
2: Right, right.
0: I, you know, I think of those things like a couple who works out together stays together. A couple who cooks together stays Hmm. together. But sounds like a couple who bibles together (laughs) stays together.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because you know, I, I do know that that is a true statistics about the. It drops clear down to 5%. That's awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, communication is so valuable in a marriage, but if you're having communication with your wife or your wife, to husband is powerful. Imagine how much more powerful when you add the communicator of the Holy Spirit in the middle, then you become that three-chord strand that isn't easily broken. Right. Exactly. Um, I just want to put a little disclaimer. I know some of my questions seemed a little bleak and like, wow, John, (laughs) what's going on? But I feel like I came out of a mindset that was anti-marriage and somewhat anti-family. And I've had some conversations with you, some that you might not remember, um, but I just want to give a little bit of a testimony for myself and from my memory. Uh, I The last podcast, was well, two podcasts ago, we talked about my dad and how much I love him and how much I appreciate him. But him and my mom were going through a difficult season where it looked kind of bleak. And I remember I was at church one Sunday night. And Pastor Mark had a prayer line for marriages. You may not remember this, but I felt like there was something for my parents in that prayer line because they were in a really difficult time, but they weren't in the building. They weren't at church. So I walked up to you weeping and I said, I feel like I need to be in that prayer line for my dad and my mom. And you said, okay, I'll go up with you. And I don't know if you remember that. And I was actually in the middle of that prayer line and Pastor Mark got to me (laughs) quite quite knowledgeable that me at 22 was not married to anybody. And I was weeping and I couldn't say anything. And you had your hand on my shoulder. You said, this young man's standing up here for his mom and dad. And I want to say my mom and dad are working through things and they're together to this day. And I'm just so thankful that I knew I could go to you and I could I could have someone who would be there with me. So that was great for my family. But around that same time, I uh, have had the opportunity to go over to your house and have a dinner with you a time or two. And I said, I think I might just stay single. I think I just want to finish my life single. I don't know if I need to get married. And Again, I don't think you remember this, but it's so stuck with me. And I think it changed my whole mindset towards marriage. Was, you looked at me. I don't know if it was a prophetic a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. But you looked at me and said, no, John, you want to get married. Because when you're 70, you're going to want family around. You're going to want somebody to share it with. And I had never thought that far ahead. I never thought about the fact of, I will not have grandkids. I will not have family of my own in my later years if I don't invest in this. And I realized that is a desire deep in my heart. So I had that somewhat of a negative mindset. And really, that's why I wanted you on here to speak of marriage. Because I don't know if I would even be married without some of those moments and words that you've spoken into my life.
2: Well, that's a (laughs) praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'll say it. Yeah, that's a real praise praise so, the Lord.
0: So, thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
2: Well, you're very welcome. I'm glad that it had a positive impact.
0: And I I look forward to passing it on someday. I may not pass it on in the same cowboy way, but in all that John Piccinotti is, I'll try to pass it on to someone else. <laughs>
1: I, I I don't have that story. Uh, that was really heartwarming. Um I'm still just caught up on the fact that interest rates for mortgage were 18%. <laughs> but can I say this? Isn't it also
0: true that when you would invest money, the return you could get, it was much higher in those right. days as well?
2: Well, I- all I can say is, is I know that a lot of people had money in the bank in their savings account.
0: Yeah, savings accounts would go much higher. yielding any interest back then? Much interest. 14
2: to 15
1: <sighs> Wow! Can you imagine putting yeah, mutual, money in the bank at mutual 14? money market accounts aren't even making that much right now. No,
0: you're, you're doing well if you get eight percent. Yeah.
1: So
2: what I've also learned is it doesn't make how much doesn't make any difference how much money you make. It's all about how much money you save. Okay. And uh, with that being said, if you've got a a, a marriage that you're working on. And you realize that you're going, you're in this for the long haul. That divorce is not an option. You both get to a point where you realize we got to have some money saved up so that we can live a good life when we are older. Mm-hmm. But right now, the biggest <clears throat> Teresa and I are actually going through a, a tough time in our marriage. And and the thing that makes it tough is is that she's ready to start looking at retiring. And I'm not, I really cannot figure out how I'm going to, I, I that and, and enjoy, it seems it's not a job to you, right? you enjoy It's, it's not, you. it's not a job, but yet that in itself, and it might seem so ridiculous and so petty, but we are truly having a, a tough time hmm. with that part of our life and our marriage. I appreciate but, that vulnerability. That's encouraging, you know, but it, but it's one of those situations to where divorce is not an option but we're really having a hard time and this is something i guess I, I know we're getting short on time but if you have issues in your marriage if you don't get good godly counsel you're stupid you can say that again i was if he wasn't going to
0: say you can say it again <laughs> I was going to so say, say it so you better say it again that? I said, with some with some fire and some gusto. If, if you're
2: having trouble in your marriage and you don't go get some good godly counsel don't you're mince st- words stupid you're stupid. You're you hear stupid. You're that audio listener? Then.
1: You're stupid. Only on one person But the good thing about being stupid
0: is you can get unstupid, right? You can get unstupid. <laughs> and all it takes is to talk to somebody who's not stupid, which is godly counsel, then you're not stupid. Well, I think
1: the biggest thing is really having someone who is not in the weeds. Like you and your your spouse or whoever you're dealing with, just in counsel in general, you're kind of in the weeds with them. And it's good to get somebody who has an outside perspective. Yep. Yeah. Um, and if that outside perspective helps or it includes godly wisdom, they can really, really help mm-hmm. you. Sometimes it's very hard to kind of see past the situation that you're in. And somebody who's outside of it can see the whole thing. Yeah. See the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. you you are, I'm assuming, you are currently getting some godly counsel. I'm still stupid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, but I, you know what you need to you do. You heard it here first, folks. No, i kidding. But but no, as far as I I am because it was something I didn't think was going to be an issue, but now right. I have to. What? I, aren't you supposed to just say yes, dear? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you yes, so yes, know John.
1: that you're the captain of your ship, but she's admiral. Right? The fleet. She's admiral of the fleet. Well, I trust that you all will work it
2: out. Yeah, we're oh Absolutely. we're going to work it out. I'm not worried about that. It's just a matter of, I've been, this has been one of those deals. I want the Holy Spirit to kind of give me a little
1: direction. Absolutely.
0: You you feel the need to dig in and get more revelation because she's seeing one thing, you're seeing one thing, but we know that the Holy Spirit's speaking the same thing. Right. So you're getting, you're going to work
2: till that vision blends is what we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. So you never stop having discussions in your marriage. Yeah. Never.
0: Communication. I hear that's important in marriage
2: very
1: yes we are out of time but if you'd like to say something else you are more than if there's through.
0: something burning in your gut that you want to get out well, maybe it needs to be wayne's world part Three. Oh, he Ooh. just invited himself <laughs> for part three folks what doing here. uh well we we appreciate having you uh i appreciate having you in my life but i already yeah. went down that road uh thank you so much for joining us again
2: yeah this there's happened. yeah as far as it's it's one of those situations i i uh I know that God is good and that he wants nothing but the best for me and my family. And as long as I focus on him, I'll get that best. Yeah. I'll get that best. Um, we go into our wisdom of the day.
1: Yep. Do you um, remember wisdom of the day? We take really, away our one yeah. nugget. I, I have one because it was a real zinger and you just said it. If you are having problems in your marriage and you don't go get counsel, you're stupid and i'm thinking that a lot of times we feel like our problems are are not that big or we can handle them on our own or we're just ashamed of letting somebody else know what we're going through and i think that's a at the very uh, subtle trap of the enemy to get you to keep you stuck if that makes sense and so we got to get over the the embarrassment well here's the thing if you go to somebody a godly council, for instance our pastors they're in your life to help you and not to shame you. And so we always get it backwards. We think we're going to experience shame, condemnation, guilt. That's just the enemy. So that's part of that stupidity kind of playing itself out in your life. Don't don't believe the lie. Go get help because those people are going to love you and really help you out of that problem.
2: That's exactly right. Awesome. That's my wisdom. Would you
1: like to
0: give your wisdom of the day? Would you like me to give you a little more time while I, while I share mine? Go ahead. All right. Well, I like statistics. I don't like being a statistician. That's not fun. But I really like the statistic that you shared because a lot of these statistics that we share, there's more to the story. I'll give you another one real quick. There's a statistic that 80% of youth after youth group abandon their faith. But I learned later that about 50% of those that abandon their faith pick it back up when they have kids. And start going to church again. So there's more to the story. But I really liked the more to the story that you had concerning the 50% divorce rate in marriages. That if they study together, it goes down to what you said, 5%. 5%. So I'm just going to express it this way. A couple who Bibles together really (laughs) does stay together. So stick the Bible right in the middle of your marriage, right? Exactly. All right. Exactly. Now, what is your wisdom of the
2: day, sir? Well, Jonathan basically hit on it. As, as Christians, we have a tendency to think, as a Christian, we shouldn't have any problems with our faith. We shouldn't have any problems with our marriage. We shouldn't have any problems with our health. We shouldn't have any problems with our finances because we're Christians, and those are all things that God's promised us to do with. But shame on us if we think, because if, if you don't go get godly counsel, all you've done is take control of your life on your own, which is becoming your own god again, mm-hmm. and that's why you can't ever get any help. Yeah, that's I mean, that's why you just keep floundering in it. Can't be the god of your own life. That's right, you can't be the god of your own
1: life. Hmm, that's wisdom right there. Well, unless you have anything else to share, sir, I, this was a wonderful time as always. We love having you on the podcast. We would like to maybe invite you to pray. uh, Pray us out of this podcast. We always end with prayer. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, would you pray over this time and over the listeners and then we can get on with our day.
2: Lord, we just come to you with praise and thanksgiving for all that you have done for each and every one of us. We're sure that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are going to be people that are wondering about marriage, especially godly marriages. May the words spoken here be taken, in and may there be revelation and marriages saved because of this podcast. We give you all the praise and all the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, again, thank you, Mr. Pollard. And I don't want to end this podcast without asking one cowboy question. Can I do that? Okay. Is it true that the bad guys always wear the black felt cowboy hats?
2: No. <laughs> No.
0: I thought the Bandy good guys oats. wear the white ones. <laughs> well, that, that, that was a TV myth. <laughs> okay. Really, a TV myth? Because it was always in the old days. They you know It seemed like the well, Westerns. I know, but
2: back when back when I was sowing a few of my wild oats, I always wore a white hat.
0: <laughs> well, I think you just wanted to stir the pot a little bit, didn't you? <laughs> well, cool. There it, it is. Folks. Wait,
1: last question. Where's the best place to get an authentic cowboy hat around here?
2: Not that I'm going to get one, but I just want to know, you know, as far as the, the boot barn, but, okay, but a good, uh, authentic, a good hat yeah. is going to cost you something. Ooh. That's, that's probably why they're not as popular as they used to be. A good hat's going to cost you $500. Wow.
1: And you, it, when you spend $500 on a hat, you, you just wearing it every day or is it special
2: occasion? It started out special occasion, but after about 15 years, you start wearing it every day. <laughs> I gotcha. <you. laughs> All right. <laughs> on, that a <laughs> on that,
0: we'll end this podcast. But we look forward to you listening with us because we enjoy these conversations. Yeah. Next week on the Sewing and Growing podcast with Jay and Jake.